Maybe no surprise to those of you listening that men today are facing a spiritual crisis, a meaning crisis, a crisis of identity. Uh, And today we're going to be talking with someone who's studied this topic in depth, someone who has spent many years researching men and the church. And most of all, he'll be offering solutions on how men can re-engage with faith and rediscover who God meant them to be. Stay tuned. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us on another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We are your co-hosts, Sam Guzman and John Heinen. We are so grateful that you are here. If this is the first time joining us, please click that subscribe button wherever you are on whatever podcast player. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can also click the bell. Make sure you get these anytime they come out. Uh, We're here in the Advent season, very blessed in preparation for the coming of Christ at Christmas. And again, thank you for being here. If you're looking for a place to donate, The Catholic Gentleman would love to be considered, prayerfully discerned by you, you can head over to patreon.com slash Catholic Gentleman and check us out. Today, we have a great guest, as Sam was saying. Uh, he is no novice to masculinity, men's ministries, um, you know, been around and doing these things longer than the Catholic Gentleman has. And so we're so great for uh, Matthew James Christoph to join us today. He is a Catholic convert and evangelist of Catholic men. Matthew is co-founder of the Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance and HeroicMen.com, the founder of the New Evangelization Project and CatholicManNight.com, and is featured in the Knights of Columbus Into the Breach video series. I'm going to put all this in the show notes so you guys can check it out. Matthew's professional career includes being a strategy consultant for Fortune 50 companies and a brand manager in a major consumer products company. He has a master's degree in theology from Augustine Institute. He got that in his free time, (laughs) a master's of business and a civil engineering degree from Purdue University. So he's married to his childhood sweetheart. He has four adult children and a number of grandchildren. Matthew, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. That that was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I prepared. So no, but you, you've you've lived a mouthful, and I think Sam and I always love having um, individuals of your seniority on our show. Show you know because you provide something to our audience that um, many of them are are so so still searching. Right, they're they're new to fatherhood, they're new to Catholicism, they're new to their life and their faith journey, and um, and so to have somebody experienced like yourself on the show is a blessing to us. Well, thanks be to God. Thanks yeah. be to God. I just have to add to, you know, I remember the very early days of Catholic gentlemen and just having some great meetings with, with Matthew and just brainstorming and strategizing. And, you know, I was just, I was just so new to the whole thing and was, was really just, just figuring out my own, uh, on my own, like what it meant to be a Catholic man. And I just remember Matthew, just offering a lot of of guidance and encouragement and support in those early days. And um, I'll always be grateful for that. So thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Wow. Well, yeah, you know, everybody gets help from somebody, you know, we don't create anything by ourselves, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Well, I'm so grateful yeah, to be here, just... and I'm really grateful for the Catholic gentleman because <clears throat> very early on, Sam and John, later on when you uh, joined up with Sam, um, you hit a nerve uh, with things that were happening in the culture and things that were happening for Catholic men, and the clarity of the idea, right, which is, hey, being having your identity focused on being not only a Catholic man, but a Catholic man who also lives a high moral life of a gentleman. I mean, it's it's something that's resonated. And obviously, the great success of Catholic gentlemen continues to support that you were right in, in what your insights were. So congratulations on that. Uh, well, I just I, I do have to give credit to the Blessed Mother because I do feel like this has been her project from the beginning uh, as her her love for her Catholic sons and uh, has really inspired this from from the beginning. So I have to give credit where it's due. But absolutely. But yeah, just jumping right into, you know, tell us about this man crisis, because I think a lot of people, you know, have mixed reactions when they hear that. Some people might roll their eyes and they're like, ah, you know, there's Catholic men are fine or men in our culture are fine. And then on the other hand, there's some really stark statistics, some of which you've spent a great deal of time compiling, kind of telling a different story, um, especially as it relates to men and the practice of their Catholic faith. So I'm wondering, just to get started, if you could kind of uh, set set the tone, I guess, by, by sharing some of what you've discovered about the Catholic crisis of, of, of masculinity. Sure. Um you know, at the heart of it all, and this will sound like a uh, a giant step back, but <clears throat> we're in a crisis of the rejection of God the Father. And everything we see in the culture is a rejection. You know, the modern culture uh, is a rejection of God in some way, and God the Father specifically. So um, we're living in a culture where the idea of masculinity kind of falls as a, you know, Aristotle talks about the golden mean, right? And yeah. you, you look at two extremes and you try to end up in the middle. And that's kind of at the core of what virtue is or morality. Uh, you know, on one hand, we have the uh, action hero uh, over hyper masculinized, you know, barbell lifting, super killer kind of a man, right? Uh, and on the other hand, we have the very effeminate, uh, and I mean, effeminate in the sense of weak man, mm. which, uh, you know, that's that's uh, one of the things that St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, is a is a uh, uh, in opposition to fortitude. We have a very weak man who never seems to grasp um, the nature of his mission in life. He, he doesn't grasp the importance of having a purpose and. Ultimately, you know, all of our purposes, if, if if what we believe about God is true, it's to become a man who is on his way to heaven and to be a father who leads not only his family, but many others to to heaven. And that crisis of identity, right? What does it mean to be a man? Um, you can see it everywhere you look, right? I mean, just watch television and you'll see that crisis play out over and over again. So. You know, we have massive cultural forces going on in society, which create um, a lot of confusion. And, um, you know, Satan loves to have a smokescreen. And so the idea of making everything optional, everything um, uh, uncertain, every man is his own island, so to speak, 
is a perfect environment for men to not only figure out, lose the sense of who they are, but also lose a sense of what they're here for and what they're trying to do. Now, this crisis within the Catholic Church is very evident in terms of just the way men think who, you know, men who have been baptized Catholic think about the Catholic faith. Uh, you know, one in third of those men that were baptized Catholic in this country have left the faith. Um, they've rejected the faith and walked away. Of the roughly two thirds that remain, about 75% of those don't practice the faith in any kind of a meaningful way. Hmm. They don't believe in the importance of the sacraments. They don't engage in the sacraments. They don't uh, believe that Catholicism is uh, important. Um, you know, there's a statistic that I that I have at the you know at my fingertips here. It's uh, eight out of ten Catholic men think about how they live is more important than being Catholic. Hmm. So there, there's this disaggregation between the idea of what it means to live a moral life as being Catholic to I can live some kind of life that doesn't include anything that the church um, might propose. Um, you know, 40% of Catholic men don't believe that the Catholic church has any hold on truth. They don't, you know, the church is just one more kind of truth um, argument. And there's many, many of them out there. And, you know, if we get into my conversion, that was certainly my view before I came to the truth of Christ and his holy Catholic church. Um, for a lot of things, you know, if you look at part of the crisis of Catholic men is the grave scandals that have happened in the church. And that actually has been um, from the data that I can find a major driver in why mm -hmm. men leave the faith. Um, you know, statistics, you know, to the extent that I can find them or about 50% of the men that leave the faith that, priest crisis that we had, uh, you know, that percolated for a long time and came to a head in the early 2000s has been a major driver. And the problem with that particular crisis, which is it, it's just like a it's an arrow to the heart, right? Because at the essence of what this is, it's the rejection of what a father is, you know, by our the, the small percentage of priests that engaged in behaviors with, uh, you know, children and men or younger men. And it's a um, argument or it's a it's a disassociation of Catholicism with masculinity because you, you, you don't want to follow an, another man who has done these kinds of scandalous things. So that's been a real strong um, driver, I think, for a lot of men. And, and one of the crises of, of not only masculinity, but but men's uh, c Catholicism. Do you want me just to keep going or, or yeah, you ask I mean, I, or you yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And you're, you're, you're laying out such a great job of the, of the reality of our situation and, and, and where we are, but I do actually, I want you to continue. I want to talk a little bit about, um, not so much the the solution, but some of those other elements, like you know, um, the you you talked about God the Father. You talked about how um, the the priest crisis, and 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 for me in my own personal journey, I I finally first fell in love with the faith when I could beat people in arguments. And that was very prideful, but it did. It did. I started getting all these apologetics and answering all these things. But then I really started falling in love with Christ and falling in love with the church when I was blessed to go to a parish um, right before I got married 
that the priest led with a great degree of authority. They were lions at the pulpit, but lambs in confessional. They, they, we could have great conversations, but they, they understood the truth. They lived the truth. And I would say, I really felt this belief that they would die for me to get, to get me to heaven. Right. There was really that passionate faith, you know, they were, they were acted like men and they were uh, directing and guiding like fathers. And it was, it was transformative for me. And I had never had that as a cradle Catholic, you know, um, leading up. And so I'd love for you to talk yeah, a little bit more about that. I know you've talked about the crisis uh, of, of understanding Jesus Christ as our savior of the, the four last things. I want, I want you to keep on going and, and talk about some other elements within the church that are, are causing men to lack in belief, uh, go to mass, but still not really believe, like you said, that the the truth ha- is the arbiter and, and the authority of truth um, today. Well, and, and before we before we we get there, I did want to jump into and 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 really um, emphasize the point that talking about these things isn't just isn't just bad news it's not just depressing you know the point of this is we have to understand the wound before we can fully understand the remedy like we really do have to let it sink in what we're up against before we can really uh, talk about solutions because i think oftentimes we want to just skip over oh you know things are bad but but let's just let's just get to some good news and and that absolutely is important to have hope and to have things that we can do but also, I think we do need to face up to the reality, you know, of, of of some of the grave wounds in the church and in the culture, and and kind of wrap our minds around that before we can before we can move on to effective solutions. So, so I just wanted to just say that before we we go any further, because some some people might listen to this like, well, this is just kind of stark and depressing. But no, there is a point to it. So yeah, amen. Well, it gives us it gives us the the solution, right? It gives us the, the vision forward. Um, I've had three life and death crises in my life, physical crises, and uh, each one of them required a very clear diagnosis of what the problem was, right. or I wouldn't be here, right? And then then you've got to take the medicine, right? And it's 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 kind of the um, uh, the hard medicine that we sometimes have to take to get better. Now. You know, we could look at this and get all depressed, but at the same time, we need to really understand God's will is being done. God has a active will and he has a permissive will. He's allowing this. You know, I always when I look at the I I get, you know, I'm I'm a sinner, right? I'm a I'm a I'm a sinner. Lord, have mercy on me. I get in these states sometimes where I'm looking at things going on and I go, oh, gosh, I just can't understand it. You know, you know, anxiety to some degree, fear, maybe anger, a lot of anger, probably. Um, and I think about, okay, now, okay, if you're at the, if you're at, uh, in Jerusalem uh, on the day of the passion, what are you doing? Are you uh, running away like a chicken or are you standing and fighting, you know, the Romans? I probably would have been doing that. I probably wouldn't have run away. At least I don't think I would. Uh, and that's not the answer. The answer is to know that God has things well in hand and to trust Jesus, even when he's dying on the cross. So, you know, I think that um, that that idea of hope, I mean, we always have to have hope. If we if we have faith, we, should, we, we must have hope that God's got a plan and something as good as the resurrection, the ascension and the opening up of heaven is on its way. You know, that's all happened already. But for us in this culture, in this society, there's great blessings that are coming, even in the struggles. So Amen. part of 
part of what um, another another way to look at this, John, you're talking about a priest that acts like a father. Um, and a father has two parts, right? Mm. Um, he's a disciplinarian and he has fatherly love, right? And the church, she, you know, the church has become feminized. I did some research at one point and uh, I, I, 75% of people thought that the church had become feminized. And there's, there's a lot of ways to describe why that is. Um, Leon, 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 uh, Leon Pottles did a book called The Church Impotent many years ago. I had the blessing to meet with him and talk with him. Um, and there are many things of this um, uh, demasculinization, you know, feminization probably yeah. isn't the greatest word, is maybe demasculinization, right? So this balance between uh, truth and mercy, right? Men tend to be truth. You know, men are systemizers. They're black and white. They like to know the score. They like to know how to fight. That's what they do. Women are empathizers. They're relational. They're um, they're not that women can't deal with conflict. They can absolutely and do great things in battle even. But, you know, that's not their preference. Gen this is a generalization. And we've become a church that focuses an awful lot on mercy. Mm. Uh, and mercy is absolutely important. But nobody gets mercy if they don't repent. You know, the the, uh, the the prodigal son repents. The father is going to give him mercy, but the prodigal son repents. And we have a we have a, a church culture that isn't teaching the hard truths like it needs to. I can tell you there's plenty of parishes around, like the one you attend, John. I'm sure the one you attend, Sam, where people it's balanced. We've become imbalanced, mm -hmm. right? One of the ways we've become imbalanced uh, in the way the church is teaching the faith is the imagery of Jesus, if you do, if you uh, and, and who Jesus is, and this, by the way, I believe it is the fundamental root of all the crisis in the church is that men don't know Jesus. And I can make that argument in a second. But if you just get on online, and you go Googled Catholic and Jesus. What you see is a doe eyed, ro rosy cheeked uh, guy with a beard lady with a beard who's holding a baby lamb. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the line of Judah. It's not uh, the guy who battles. Uh, and I've documented a 140 examples in the new, in the, in the gospels where Jesus goes very aggressive against people, very much admonishing. In fact, you think about the word admonish, right? That's one of the works of mercy, right? It's, it's not even included in the catechism under the works of mercy. That mm -hmm. word is, Deleted. So this idea of confronting uh, and uh, being clear about the nature of sin and the nature of repentance is kind of at the core, I think, of a lot of this. Because men men go, okay, you know, like I said, they're systemizers. They go, well, you know, uh, if there's nothing to lose and everybody wins, everybody goes to heaven, um, then I don't really need to do anything, right? I got a lot of stuff on my mind. You know, I got my work. I got my my family. I want to be a good dad around my kids. I, you know, I got sports. I got hobbies. I got all this stuff. And, you know, by the way, I got my bucket full of sins I carry around with me. Um, I don't need the Catholic stuff because we're all going to we're all going to go get to heaven. And there have been prominent theologians that have been talking about that. And the true answer is uh, it's a narrow gate. Yeah. Right. And few get through. And 
that's the that's the harsh reality. But the good news is any Catholic man who wants to follow the basics of the faith, try to have a little bit of a prayer life every day, going to confession when you need to, and every two weeks or every month, whether you think you need it or not, and getting a mass, you're you're God's opened up heaven for you. You know, and we have purgatory to kind of clean clean us up and finish us off. But um I'll pause there if you guys want to comment or no, I think and this is a, an you know incredibly important point because you know even even people who aren't Catholic who aren't even explicitly Christian are waking up to this fact. You know, I think of Jordan Peterson and his phenomenal yeah. popularity. I mean, I think he has like six million YouTube followers now. And but why why is he so so popular, especially among men? I think there's some women who resonate with his message too, but especially among men is that he he emphasizes taking responsibility for yourself, kind of cleaning house. He sets the bar high. He's like, aim high. He's always talking about, you know, like it almost reminds me of, you know, like what the saints say about being saints. Like, like there's this very difficult high standard of being a saint, which demands everything from you, really. Uh, this call to holiness is is something very uh intense in a way and yet you know jordan peterson's kind of echoing this in like a in a more secular sense of course he appeals to different christian principles and things like that but but he's not explicitly christian but he but he's setting the bar high and he's he's demanding things of young men and he's like look grow up shape up like get your life in order before you even think about you know criticizing anybody else and ironically you'd think that would be a very unpopular message you'd think young men don't want to be told that like they want to be told take it easy you know take life as it comes you know work work once in a while you know pay your bills uh but travel the world have some fun like but no he's like saying the exact opposite his message is very stark and harsh and it's interesting in his interactions with various christian figures he's kind of calls them out on that he's like what's happened to christianity that you've all become so so weak and effeminized, you know, he's like, you you don't talk about hell anymore and things like that. And he's kind of like challenging us Christians to step up our game uh, because we're losing people. And I think that's exactly the point that you're getting to is that the church has really, for all intents and purposes, gotten extremely soft, you know, in general terms in the last 60, 70 years where we've we've basically eliminated all demands on anybody and everybody and it's now not the narrow way any longer it's it's the broad way uh the easy way the of, of cultural conformity and 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 just kind of let's meet people where they are and never bring them any further um down the road to holiness we'll just we'll just kind of accommodate them wherever they are uh in terms of like accompaniment and things like that and and that's not what men want to hear uh is what i hear you saying is that is that Men aren't inspired by that. Well, the proof is in the pudding. Whatever we're doing isn't working. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, uh, I just heard some stats from my archdiocese up in St. Paul, Minneapolis. You know, I think it's only like 15% of Catholics are going uh, to mass up here. And we've lost 25% during the, the COVID times. But if you just step back from this, you go, oh, you know, what is it? What is it that's happening? What What is it that men want? And ultimately, men want happiness, right? 
this is not a not a great in, great insight, but it's true. They want happiness, and Jesus Christ comes to offer men true and lasting happiness. That's what he does. That's the basic promise. He starts with the Beatitudes, first words, first sermon on the mount, Beatitudes, which means happinesses. He's saying this is the key to happiness. You want to find happiness? Here are the Beatitudes. And what does he end with? He ends. We end with a beatific vision, which is eternal happiness, right? Being with God and all the saints and angels, Mary and Joseph, forever, right? Which is the ultimate happiness. Everything in between those two things in the Gospels, and what the Church teaches, is the way to that happiness, right? We tend to like men. I think of um, you know, kind of going back to this <clears throat> idea of I can boil down. I think I boiled down in my own mind why men are have left the faith right it's three things and they're sequential i think hmm. one you've got to come to believe that jesus christ is the savior of man you got to believe he's the son of god and that he has the power to save those whom he wishes to save hmm. the second thing is you've got to come to the conclusion that you you personally need to be saved Right. And that you need Jesus to save you. And ultimately, you've got to then do the third thing, which is to practice the only sure way he's given us to get to heaven, which is to be a zealous Catholic man who practices the Catholic faith. And so often, I think what happens in the church um, and, it, you know, this, again, is a generalization, uh, but I think it's probably true. <clears throat> you get the catechism. Right. You get the twenty eight hundred sixty five paragraphs. You get the. uh seven deadly sins and the uh, <clears throat> seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you get lots of stuff, but you've never started with Jesus, right? I mean, a, a quick way to add, quick way to answer this or to, to test it, if you ever want to test this with a, with a man, go, well, tell me about Jesus. Who Who is Jesus? You know, and they go, well, you know, he's uh I think for a lot of men, it's he's he's kind of conceptual, you know. Yeah, I guess he's the savior. Um, he maybe he's abstract. He's a historical figure. He's uh, you know he's feminized. He's a lady with a beard. Um, you you got to be able to go. He he's a he's the center of my life. Yeah. He's the son of God. He came to save us. He's got divine knowledge and divine power. He is the most incredible human being. I mean, he's a divine person, but he's, in his human nature, he's the most incredible man that ever lived. And a, a man should be able to talk about those things that inspire him from the life of Jesus and the Gospels. You know, he comes to carry out this mission, right? He, he's a prophet. He announces what he's doing. He starts, he becomes a priest. He, he demonstrates the, the his acts as a priest through the sacraments and healing. And ultimately, he's a king. He's the greatest king that ever lived, you know. Um, so that that idea of <clears throat> being able to be enthusiastic and <clears throat> clear about why Jesus is the Savior, I think, is just something that's just lacking. I mean, every man should be able to do the five minute elevator speech if you're in a tall building, uh, three that's minute right. elevator speech on why Jesus is the Savior man. Yeah. And then he's got to be able to go, I need him. You know, I've done enough self um, analysis and examination to see that if the standard is sainthood, you know, I'm somewhere just half a step 
below a demon, you know, I mean, yeah. there's all this distance. And so that, 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 that recognition of who you are and the idea that you need to be saved. That's the very first beatitude, right? The spiritual poverty It's recognizing that God is great and I am not. And then the, ch- the church helps you on that journey, right? With prayer and the sacraments. And it's certainly the Holy spirit. Um, Amen. No, and if I could, I just want to, before we talk about all the things you're doing to help men get there, like, how do we get there? Like, um, practically speaking, you know, because um, we'll get guys who immediately pick up all the the devotions without internalizing it. And I, I just immediately, while you're talking, was I, hopefully the Holy Spirit, but was inspired with Introduction to Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. And when you open that up, he talks about how an individual can be into and deeply invested in fasting, um, and they consider themselves devout when they're fasting, yet their heart and mind is so distant from the reality of that relationship with Christ, right? And of course, he says it with more eloquence than I just did, but but that's what he's getting at. And so how do you, when it's not you know, without going to the realm of just feeling, how do you go and get to this idea of Christ as an abstract as to Christ as a real living presence, my all, my, my, my intimate friend, my, you know, savior. And, um, and, and what are some of the suggestions that you would make to, to help men grow in, in holiness and grow in that relationship, honestly, with Christ? You know, um, I used to I used to laugh and I would think, you know, um, every single person on earth has the potential to be saved. Mm-hmm. Every single person. God didn't create anyone who can't find their way to heaven if they find Christ. Right. So it can't be too complex. Right. Men, men are systemizers. Like I keep talking about that, but it's true, yeah. right? They go, okay, give me the playbook. I want to know the playbook. Okay. So I got to do the rosary. I got to do this. I got to do that. I should right. mass sometimes, <laughs> you know, every week I got to do that. And, it, and it's, it's much simpler than that. I think. And, and if, if a person was stuck in their faith, I would just say, okay, the key is to start to have a real dialogue with a real person a divine person that that's Jesus. And it can start like this, Jesus, I don't even know if you exist. And what I've heard about you doesn't impress me a whole hell of a lot, to be honest, but I have goodwill or the best will that I can. I just want you to help me, teach me, lead me, guide me, wake me up, turn me away from my skepticism, my lack of faith you know, and lack of hope and my lack of charity, just help me. And I think a man who would do that, you know, over a 30 day period, if you went and spent 15 or 20 minutes a day, yeah, or even starting with five minutes, just opening yourself up and asking for help, knock, seek, you know, knock, seek and ask, right? Jesus yeah. will answer you. That's what he's promised us. So it starts really simple. It's acknowledging that God is real, or at least you hope he's real and you want to have a relationship with him and you want to talk to him. Um, Then I think it's, um, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people don't, first of all, I think most men don't understand the gift of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit Hmm. or realize that when they're not in a state of grace, 
there are no gifts, right? The gifts are latent in a man who is in a state of mortal sin. And, you know, if we look at, we look at the statistics and, you know, we know 60, 70% of Catholic men are looking at porn. Sam, you work for, uh, in this area and you, you've heard all the stories and you helped to try to, to work to resolve that. You're not going to get any help from the Holy Spirit if you've said no to the Holy Spirit, right? And when you soil yourself with pornography, and, and there's a million, I mean, there, there's seven deadly sins, but there's a, a bunch of different ways you can turn away from the Holy from God. Getting to confession, just getting getting a habit of okay, for the next six months, I'm going to confession every week mm. or every two weeks or every three weeks or something where. You have a forcing device where you go, okay, I'm making this commitment. I'm going to do a regular examination of conscience and I'm going to examine myself. And then I'm going to go start to hopefully God's going to reveal to me the things that he wants me to work on the most. So that opening up to receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts and fruits, right? You need that in the spiritual combat. And you need that if you're going to have a faith that's real. You know, it's not, you know, we we, we think we do all these things. Oh, yeah, I do my devotions. Yeah, I'm a good Christian man. I'm a good Catholic man, blah, blah, blah. In reality, it's the Holy Spirit working through us. Anything of any use, of any merit, it's the Holy Spirit that's doing it through us, right? And so if you don't have the Holy Spirit, your chance of having that relationship with God is is uh, muted at best. And then I think it's getting to the Mass. and. Um, you know, the statistics tell us that, I don't know, something like 60% of men are, uh, don't think they get anything out of the mass. Hmm. Okay. I probably, it's probably a lot higher than that now, but the older data that I had was 60% of men don't believe they're getting out of the mass. And the first thing it say is who the heck said it was about you, Yeah, that you were supposed to get something out of mass. It's not you, it's about Jesus. Right. And going there and showing him, your faith and showing that you want to be drawn to him and worship him. Um, and of course the Eucharist, right? I mean, if you're in a good state of grace, you go to receive the Eucharist, we're being supernaturalized. I mean, it's astounding. A, a human being like just an average guy can be drawn into union with God through the Eucharist. 70% of people, 70% of Catholics don't believe in the true presence of Jesus. Yeah. You know, this again goes back to the the error in the catechesis, but I don't know if that answered your question, but it does. I think it's yeah. real basic. Yeah. That's starting that openness to that conversation with Christ. And then that commitment to a new way, I think is um, exactly what you're saying. And, and I appreciate you approaching it in that, and that way I, um, you know, have often counseled men to just grab a masculine image of Jesus, maybe one in the sacred heart or something like that, and just say, you know what, I want to know you. I want to learn how to love you. I want to learn how to love, you know, and just start there. Start with that openness for five minutes. And uh, you're exactly right, because that conversation with Christ is everything. And if we're not having conversation with, you know, our friend, we're not much of a friend ourselves. And uh, and then that commitment and in devotions and the rosary and these sort of things all help us stay with that commitment and stay and grow in holiness. But but that starting point is so important. So, yeah, I appreciate that very much. Yeah, I feel like it is what you're saying is so important because it's you're talking about 
um, an encounter, it sounds like, you know, with, with Christ that is experiential. And I think that's one thing that's it's missing for a lot of people. It reminds me of one of my favorite Pope Benedict quotes. He kind of said this in a couple different ways and different speeches, but he said, being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, which gives life a new horizon in a decisive direction. And I think that's kind of what you're describing as like this encounter with Christ. And, you know, it's uh, men love to do, like you said, like we want a checklist and yet it has to be a balance between being and doing, yeah. you know, but there has to be a communion with Christ on the one hand that, that really doesn't involve any doing at all, just pouring your heart out with it, you know, to him being with him, and then, of course, all of the doing is is supposed to reinforce that or or foster that, um, kind of like Saint Benedict's famous motto, you know, "Ora et labora." There has to be prayer, which is being with Christ, and then there has to be, you know, labora too. There has to be work involved. There has to be action that flows, but it has to flow from that being, or it's it's just meaningless. Uh, repetitions and and you know and of course throughout the old testament even the new testament the prophets and and of course christ himself were always warning against uh empty religious actions that had no heart behind them right um but but really like entering like into mystery a little bit um where it's just like i'm just going to try this i'm just going to prove this through experience you know, maybe it'll go nowhere. I don't know, but but God, I'm open to what you might do through this and through, uh, and, I, and I'm just going to step out in faith and I'm and I'm going to go to confession. I'm going to go to mass, and I'm going to see what you're going to do. And and I love that honesty that you're talking about of just saying, look, look, I don't really have any expectations right now. I haven't really been inspired by what I've encountered so far, but I'm open and. And then God will meet you there and and kind of take you the rest of the way and draw you deeper. Um, so I guess I'm wondering, like, so if, let's say you're a Catholic man and, and you want to lead other men in that direction. Uh, maybe you want it for yourself, of course, first, but then you want to kind of evangelize. You want to you spread this news. Like, how might how might we do that? Like, how might we begin to do that? And and kind of draw other men along with us on that journey. Let me step back a minute and talk about one critical piece that I didn't mention in that restart, right? That, that drawing back to God is to th throw yourself into the gospels, right? We're, we're, what do we call to do, right? You learn this in Baltimore catechism, you know, I'm here to know, love and serve Jesus Christ. Yeah. You can't know him if you haven't met him. Right. And I think the idea of drawing closer to Christ follows the human model. I mean, there's a human model for how you how you get to know somebody. Right. You look across the in my in my case, uh, freshman year, I looked over and I inquire and I saw this beautiful young woman, you know, uh, who and who's now my wife of 40 going on 43 years here. Ooh, praise so God. 43. Yeah, it's 43. It is 43. Um, going on 44. Uh, I hope she doesn't hear this. I <laughs> I um, you know, and you kind of go, well, let me know a little bit like you talk to your friends, like, uh, tell me about her. What you like, what do you know about her? Tell me about what she does and stuff. And, you know, what, what about, her, about her family. And you 
introduce yourself and you start to talk and you get to know their background, the person's background, you get to know uh, kind of what they like and don't like. And you go through this progression, which then you maybe date, right? And then after you date a while and you get to know deeper and deeper, and then you become engaged and ultimately married, right? That's that's how love, you know, we hope that love works uh, for Catholic souls. Um, the same is true for Jesus, I think, that relationship. And you got to throw yourself into the Gospels. And um, it's not, you can read the Gospels by yourself, and lots of people do it. Uh, we're called as Catholics to read the Gospels and be guided by what the church reflects upon in the Gospels, right? That's that's part of what we need to do, because the church has thought about this for 2,000 years, and it's a sure um, source for information. And I'm convinced, I know this happened in my own life, I'm convinced that if you really start to meet Jesus and know him, you're going to be impressed. And if you're impressed, you're going to be more and more open to following him. Right. And the Gospels give us a credible uh, case for why you should follow Jesus. Right. He's the most impressive man you've never met for most men. Mm. You know, you just don't don't know who he is. And by throwing yourself to the Gospels, I think that really can help you. So in terms of what a man can do, um, and it depends on what level he wants to do it in. Uh, certainly, there's small things you can do all the time. And if you're not doing these kinds of things every day, um, you maybe need to step your game up a little bit. But mm -hmm. Acknowledge God over and over and over. Thanks be to God. I mean, how many times have we said this on this um, talk today, right? Um, I There's a rare person that I meet that I don't end my conversation with and may God bless you. Hmm. And you think, oh, my gosh, not in pluralistic society. You can't say that. I've never had anybody act in any way other than grateful. You know, and, and even people with different religions, if you're if you're honest and you actually love somebody else, and you, you want to you want the best for them. You don't have to ram things down your throat, but you can just say, God bless you. Yeah. You know, and um, so there's little things like that you could do. Uh, you know, I think for most men, the best thing to do. Right. You know, it's that old argument. Iron sharpens iron or mm -hmm. you take a bunch of sticks and you bound them together and they're hard to break. Yeah. I forgot the quote on that. Um, uh, probably some Greek uh, Greek philosopher, but um, going to your parish, right? A parish is our family, our local family, and building relationships at your parish and gathering with other men. You know, before you go and try to evangelize the guy who's never been baptized that lives next door to you, you know, go and be with the guys who have an interest in Catholicism that are showing up in the pews, right? I mean, we we need to we need to, we need to strengthen the men in our parishes, and we need to have an ethic of men, masculinity, men gathering together in our parish. Men gather, and men take an active role in all spot or all parts of um, the parish life, mm -hmm. mentoring young men. Uh, teaching. And so if you want to evangelize other men, I think part of the best thing to do is to go and be around other men because you're going to be strengthened uh, and you're going to help those other men that are there. And and by the way, one of the things that really strengthens a man's faith is to gather with other men in events at churches 
where men are and they look around, they go, God, that guy's cool. And he goes for all this Catholic stuff. I mean, I, I, I came into the church part, you know, before I came into the church, I, I was uh, asked to be on the board of this Catholic, <laughs> a, a non, non-Catholic member of a Catholic school parent board, mm. which I, I think, I think I was, God was moving me along, but I'm around these guys and I'm going, holy cow, these guys, you know, I was, a I was, you know, doing lots of stuff in, in the world of business and I had met in you know, the, some of the most impressive people on the planet uh, <laughs> through the work. And I'm like, these guys are really impressive and they're going to daily mass. What, what's that about? I don't even get that. The daily mass, you go to church every day. I thought you had to go at Christmas, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. so um, I'm kind of off the track here, but no, the point I think is yeah. parish, you know, what, you know, if all of our parishes had a strong, group of men that gathered together on some kind of regular basis around their priest and their deacon. Um, I had a man who's a, a, a very bright, uh, wise gentleman uh, who's passed away. You know, after we were doing all this work on trying to figure out what to do about the man crisis, he said, it's really simple. If every priest in America would gather his men together once a month for an hour and a half and just talk to them, it doesn't matter. You know, you, we, were, we got programitis. A lot of times we got yeah. all these programs, we got all this stuff, just like a priest talking to his men and men talking to men and praying, right? Um, no, change so. it. Yeah, no, I appreciate that very much. And I think you've done a great job kind of laying up uh, what we want to talk about in uh, some of your new projects that's uh, available for every Catholic man, um, something that <laughs> for for every Catholic man. So you've done so much heroic men, um, Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance, uh, these sort of things, each with their own websites, each with their own missions, each with their own um, uh, goal in strengthening men and, and, and forming brotherhood and getting great masculine programs to different dioceses and in parishes and things like that but you have a new one uh that's coming out one that i've listened to a couple times and i want you to be uh have the opportunity to tell us um why you got started on this why you felt inspired to move in this direction and then uh what is available for men that you are providing in this uh podcast arena great um well the the early work that i did and and coming into the faith was coming to know Jesus, right? And so a lot of the early work that we did was gathering men together to meet Jesus. That was kind of at the core of it. Um, I went through about a nine or 10 month period in 2016 when my dad was slowly dying. And um, he was a, um, he was an alcoholic. And, you know, if you're, if you're, you're a person that's uh, alcohol, alcoholism, you always believe you're an alcoholic or you recognize that part of your um, a tendency. And he was sober for 47 years. Wow. I mean, that's impressive, right? So you pick you pick any man with this controlling sin and go continent for 47 years. He had a program that he had. And as he was dying, we were praying the Our Father every day. And he wasn't, he wasn't uh, you know, he's a confirmed Christian, but was not practicing. And he had this little book, right? It was uh, uh, all crumpled up and it was falling apart with yellow scotch tape and rubber bands. And it was his devotional that I remember from the time, you know, in 1970, when he started doing this and I was just a kid, he read it every day, carried it with him every way. And, and, and I'm on the plane leaving after we've taken him to the funeral home. Um, 
And I'm thinking to myself, I wish I had something like that as a Catholic man, something for a Catholic man to help him. And I prayed about it for about two weeks. And I just decided I'm going to do a Catholic devotional uh, for men. And it's going to be focused on Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm going to use, I'm going to go based on the gospel or based on the um, the liturgy, right? So every day we have a daily gospel in the church. Uh, so I'm going to write this devotional based on that. I had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, I don't think if I would have understood what I was biting off, I would have done it because um, it's just uh, took me six years. Mm. But the devotional in essence is trying to offer a man in 15 minutes a day, a way to draw closer to Jesus Christ, to become impressed and awed by him and to learn what the church teaches about how to grow in happiness based on what, the church reflects upon on, on those gospel passages. So the gospel devotional is written. It's some 570 articles. It spans the entire liturgy, in, including all the weekdays, the three Sunday cycles, all the feast days that we celebrate in the United States. And it follows kind of a three-part process. It's um, got a commentary on the daily gospel, which orients a man in the, the, the particular gospel, what's happening, right? Because you know, you, you start reading and you don't really know the context. So you get a little of the backstory, what's happening in this part of the gospel. And then you get um, kind of a deeper dive into what hap what's happening in the gospel. And that commentary is based on a synthesis of dozen, over a dozen different commentaries that the church has. And the, the point of it is that, you know, most men are never going to study other commentaries. Most men would have a hard time penetrating kind of what's happening in the gospel. So giving them something in kind of a way that they can understand it is, is part of what that first part of the devotional does. Then there's a second part, which is based on uh, coming to be awed by Jesus Christ. You know, we talked about this earlier. Uh, if you get to know him, you'll be awed. If you could become awed by him and impressed, you're going to want to follow him. That follows a systematic model um, that uh, I've developed, which reflects on his divinity. Jesus' humanity and his mission. And there's hundred something subcategories to those three areas. And every day what you're doing is you're reading the gospel through what the lens of that and picking out parts of it, which seem to be most amp amplified in that part of the gospel. So you, you read and you become impressed by Jesus. And then there's two meditations or reflections that are based on what the church teaches us or what we can draw from the particular gospel passage on how to be happy, right? And it's all linked to the catechism. Hmm. The catechism of the Catholic Church talks uh, ex extensively about the gospels in in the uh, you know the catechism. <clears throat> so there's a catechetical reference for every um, every one of those meditations. And in fact, if you read the whole, pray the whole devotional, you'll have covered the entire gospel or the entire catechism. Wow. The idea, the, the idea behind this type of catechesis, it's a little bit different as opposed to kind of driving through the catechism, you know, catechism in a year, you know, going through every, every, every paragraph. It's kind of like in context of trying to grow in happiness and it's real time. All right. So it's like, okay, if this is what I'm trying to do, here's what the church is teaching me about how to do it. And then every one of the reflections ends in a prayer and they're fo the, the prayers are always focused on. And they rotate between God the Father, building a relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph, and sometimes other saints. 
Um, but but you're always praying for that virtue or the gift of the Holy Spirit that you need to be able to fulfill that thing that you're trying to do to grow in happiness. So that's the devotional, right? Now, the idea behind what I'm trying to do with this is to make it available to any man in any form that he wants to receive it. So um, there's a podcast, uh, Every Catholic Man podcast on Buzzsprout. You can find it. It's also on all the different um, podcast suppliers, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Audible, yeah, you name it, it's out there. <clears throat> and that podcast is going to be, it's weekly right now. So there's going to be one produced each week for Sunday. It's really about mm. Sunday mass preparation. During Lent, you're going to be able to go through a daily one, right? There'll be a daily podcast for every day of uh, of Lent, but I'll probably keep that on a on a on a on a weekly basis. But you can also go to everycatholicman.com, and there you're going to find the daily written devotion uh, available, so you can read it and sometimes listen if if, if there's been a podcast done on it. Um, the idea is to make it simple, you know, 15 minutes or less. Grow in your faith draw closer to Jesus, learn to grow in happiness by becoming a better Catholic son and Catholic father. And it's focused exclusively on men. And it's written in a way that doesn't pull any punches. It's not, uh, it's a balance and it's actually been engineered. You could guess that I'm an engineer. Uh, <laughs> it's been engineered to have a routine to it, right? So you're going to be exposed to a Thomistic, and this is kind of getting down to the weeds a little bit, and most men don't care about it, but a Thomistic <laughs> view of virtue every every two months. Every every virtue that Aquinas talks about, you're going to think about or pray about in a two-month period. Uh, you're going to see the Jesus demonstrate those virtues, right? I mean, if, if you think about the Catholic Church and how long we've been around, go to try to find the demonstration. Jesus demonstrates the virtues, and you don't find a lot. But in the devotional, we built it in like, you know, he's the perfect man. So he's got to be able to demonstrate and he does demonstrate all the virtues in ways that are very compelling. Another way to be awed by him. Um, oh, wonderful. Well, thank you, Matthew. That sounds that sounds fabulous. I'm just really excited that you have put forth the time and the effort to to, to give us men this gift. And we'll make sure that that goes in the show notes to uh, individuals can click on it and, you know, see about the podcast and, and go to the website. Yeah. No, thank you. Sam, any last things? Well, just, just uh, with all those incredible resources, I think we're kind of all without excuse for, you know, engaging um our spiritual life and really seeking that encounter with christ that that is life-changing so so thank you matthew for all your work and for all your support uh it's really uh wonderful to have this conversation with you you know just the one thing too and i i actually you you always believe what you're doing or you always kind of you reach conviction about something this devotional is something that's a great tool for evangelization any man can pick it up if you want to evangelize some of the men go hey listen to this just see it, be drawn into it. You know, it, um, you're, you're going to walk away impressed and you're going to walk away thinking differently about your life. If you are consistently looking at it, I think, and it's not me, right? It's Jesus yeah. Christ. It's what the church teaches and it's the catechism. So. Yeah. Thanks to God. Pick up that cross and follow the narrow road and, um, and Amen. yeah, be committed. So thank you so very much, Matthew. Well, we really appreciate you. We appreciate yeah. your time and your wisdom on the show. And as we'd like to end each of our episodes. Be a man, be a saint.